So I think it's I think it's that time. I was gonna I was gonna originally announce this on the final episode, but then I thought maybe that's kind of wrong to just shock you and surprise you. Uh, but there are only six episodes left of the Philip DeFranco Show for the year 2021. Somehow it's about to be 2022. Tomorrow is my birthday. I turned 36. I feel like I've lost six to 18 months from the past two and a half years. So yeah, you get me today, six more episodes. I think it comes to, to December 10th. I don't know, does time exist anymore? After that, I'm gonna fuck off for three weeks, uh, spend some time with the wife and kids, try that outside thing. I've heard, you know, hit or miss things about it. Then I'll come back early January. We're gonna fuck up 2022 together, baby. I'm the bringer of sadness. I am the news commentary curator version of herpes. You ain't getting rid of me. You can try, but my face is always around the corner. And so on that happy note, I say welcome back to the Philip DeFranco Show. Also, to exploit my birthday tomorrow, wish me a happy birthday with that like button. Yeah, you beautiful bastards, let's just jump into it. And y'all, the first thing we're jumping into, the first thing we should talk about today is Republican Representative Nancy Mace and her Fox News versus CNN controversy. With a lot of people on both sides recently pointing out that she speaks very, very differently depending on who her target audience is. So this is Mace on Fox News. In some studies that I've read, national immunity gives you 27 times more protection against future COVID infection than a vaccination. And so we need to take all of the science into account and not selectively choosing what science to follow when we are making policy decisions. And then this is Mace on CNN. I've been a proponent of vaccinations and, and wearing masks when we need to. When we had the Delta variant raging in South Carolina, I wrote an op-ed to my community and I've worked with our State Department of Health. I've run ads encouraging uh, my district to go and get vaccinated. And when we have these variants and we have these spikes to take every precaution from washing our hands to wearing the N95 or KN95 masks uh, more than the medical masks, there is a significant, statistically significant uh, number of people that are protected from COVID when they wear those masks. And that video comparison garnered a lot of traction, a lot of people mocking her, but also a lot of people saying, this is horrible. Like she is doing this on purpose and this is harmful, which is something that was echoed by Washington Post columnist Paul Waldman, who argued that this is part of a bigger issue with Republicans that is actively dangerous. Writing that when Republicans like Mace were considered sensible and literally support vaccination when not addressing their bases, present these sort of, I support vaccines, but arguments to their supporters, it just gives legitimacy to these ideas. Those ideas then spread in conservative echo chambers to keep the issue politicized and discourage people from getting vaccinated, which literally prolongs the pandemic with Waldman adding. The role of politicians like Mace is to maintain the idea that when having discussions about the pandemic, we should continue to treat Republicans as legitimate speakers who have something worthwhile to contribute rather than as representatives of a party that is actively working to undermine our ability to defeat the pandemic. But I'm also going on to argue that it's irresponsible for mainstream outlets to allow these people on unless they press them on these contradictions. But ultimately with all that, I do wanna know your thoughts on this. Do you see what Mace is doing as like trying to see both sides or do you just see it as blatantly harmful that it should be moderated and called out by the media? Or no, do you think it's just kind of the, the 2021 version of getting caught pandering to different audiences? Or do you think this is getting all blown out of proportion? Any and all thoughts that you have here, I'd love to know in those comments down below. And then let's keep up with the Cuomos. Cause I don't know if you saw this, but documents that were released yesterday by the New York Attorney General showed that CNN anchor Chris Cuomo was far, far more extensively involved than previously known in helping defend his brother, former Governor Andrew Cuomo, against sexual misconduct allegations. According to the documents, Chris Cuomo actively pushed to take on a larger role in creating his brother's defense and influencing PR strategy and offered to draft statements for the then governor denying misconduct and even looked into potential news coverage and accusers. This, including by using his media sources and other journalists to look into women who accused his brother of sexual misconduct and keep tabs on other reporters pursuing 
following stories about the matter. For example, at one point it said that Chris Cuomo spoke to a friend about allegations made by a woman who accused the then governor of inappropriately touching her at a wedding and ran down a tip that she was lying. But them also said to a fielded request from a top aide to his brother, Melissa DeRosa, asking him for intel on an investigative piece Ronan Farrow was working on and to leverage his sources to find out if more women were going to come forward. With other texts between DeRosa and Chris Cuomo also showing the extent of his involvement and efforts to be even more involved, including one message he sent her where he wrote, quote, please let me help with the prep, as well as another where he said, quote, I have a lead on the wedding girl. And while the records show that Chris Cuomo told investigators that he never manipulated his coverage of his brother or spun other journalists to benefit him, these new revelations are still incredibly significant. Where Chris Cuomo has previously downplayed his role in helping the former governor telling viewers back in August that he was not an advisor, but a brother. And while he acknowledged that he talked to his brother's aides until CNN told him to stop doing so in May, which he did say was a mistake, he still claimed, quote, I was there to listen and offer my take, even saying I never made calls to the press about my brother's situation. But obviously these newly released transcripts, texts, and interviews indicate otherwise. Now Chris Cuomo, for his part, has not commented on the records and hosted his show last night as usual with no mention of the information. And as far as CNN's response, they say they will conduct a thorough review of the documents and adding, we will be having conversations and seeking additional clarity about their significance as they relate to CNN over the next several days. And, you know, with this news, well, you know, you ended up seeing the, the usual cast of characters responding to this. I, what I really thought was interesting was other journalists speaking out on this. People like Gene Park of the Washington Post responding to this news, saying Chris Cuomo still working at CNN is a mockery of journalism. Libs defending him say there are more important things to worry about and then complain about why media coverage is so poor and lopsided. I've seen friends and colleagues lose their jobs and blacklisted from the industry for doing so much less. So it's genuinely insulting to see CNN and Chris Cuomo flout standards. It's infuriating and I won't stop talking about it. David Weigel of The Post also hitting on that note, saying if some news channel intern did what Chris Cuomo did, they'd have been fired one second after these docs were published. Then in massive online entertainment news and a further confirmation that the best way to get a massive check from YouTube is to get big somewhere else, Let's talk about Ludwig, one of the biggest streamers in the world, now exclusively streaming here on YouTube. With the news first breaking, thanks to the head of gaming at YouTube and the guy who hasn't set his lineup in our fantasy football league for five weeks, Ryan Wyatt tweeting, I'm excited to announce Ludwig will now be streaming exclusively on YouTube gaming. Our focus is building a world-class VOD, short form, and live platform. And I have to reiterate, we still aren't done yet. Welcome to the family, Ludwig. Ludwig then confirming the move with this purple car, red car video. And personally, what I found really interesting was Ludwig explaining his reasoning for why he went to YouTube. Posting a video called why I left Twitch and he hit on a few notes. Even though I've been with Twitch for three plus years, even though people call me the golden boy of Twitch, I've never felt like the golden boy of Twitch. I've never felt particularly loved by Twitch. With creators like Valkyrie responding to this news and really adding on to that point. One of the reasons why I was very happy to move from Twitch to YouTube was because the people behind the scenes legitimately value my opinion. And there is a sense of huge representation and also importance. Also Ludwig in his video going on to explain that he actually picked Twitch, like that was where he was going to go. And then YouTube fought for him, offering him more money than Twitch. Also saying you can stream less hours, you can focus on all the other cool content you wanna make. And then saying that when he went back to Twitch and he was like, hey, they offered me this, I just wanted to let you know. They didn't fight for him and they essentially said, we just wish you the best. With all of that, I'm kind of just in this place of, this is gonna be a very fascinating space to continue to watch over the next year. What other talent will YouTube snipe from Twitch moving forward? Do we continue to see YouTube gaining more and more of the online streaming market share, especially because it's a lot easier to make new features, make the UI look different than make actual homegrown talent. But also I think with Ludwig specifically, Twitch is getting hit with a, a bigger blow than maybe they even realize. Because in my eyes, he's not just a streamer. He is a very smart businessman and he's just at the 
beginning of his career. I think he's going to do amazing, amazing things. Unless he's hit with some massive controversy, in which case I take back all those nice things. Anyway, moving on. But from that, I want to take a second to thank the sponsor of today's show, Audible. And if you didn't know, Audible is an amazing platform that has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. Members get a credit every month, good for any title in Audible's premium selection, yours to keep forever in your Audible library. You'll also get access to their Plus catalog filled with thousands of select audiobooks, podcasts, Audible originals, guided fitness and meditation programs, sleep tracks for better rest, etc. All of that included in your membership. And I love Audible because it gives me the ability to listen on all my devices anytime, anywhere. Home, office, gym, car, long plane ride for the holiday, anywhere. And actually on that note, I'm currently in the middle of Lullaby by Chuck Palahniuk. And like a lot of people, I got introduced to him via Fight Club, then I loved Survivor. Now I'm like, okay, I gotta go through Choke, Invisible Monsters, now Lullaby. And it's really like how like weird and dark, but at the same time funny, but also maybe it shouldn't be funny. All of it is, and so far with Lullaby, like I don't, I don't wanna give anything away, but like if you wanna be shocked or like think of like the, the darkness that, that could be inside of you, it's uh, it's it's a great one. Oh, probably not for everyone. So you could also use your, your free credit on something else. But main thing, with the holidays upon us, think of Audible as a gift to give yourself. And right now, for a limited time, you can save 60% on your first three months of Audible. It's only $5.95 a month. So for more, go to audible.com slash DeFranco or text DeFranco to 500-500. And then let's talk about drugs and specifically overdoses. Right, so the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention released provisional data earlier this month. And that data showed an estimated 100,306 people in the U.S. dying from a drug overdose in a 12-month period ending in April of 2021. With Axios noting, New York City alone reported over 2,000 drug overdose deaths, fentanyl reportedly being present in 77% of those deaths. And especially over the last year, we've seen efforts made to try and lower the number of overdose deaths, awareness campaigns, distributing fentanyl test strips, needle exchange programs. And now, in addition to all of that, in a major move, a very likely divisive decision, you had Mayor Bill de Blasio announcing that New York City will authorize two supervised injection sites. According to the Times, the sites which already operate as needle exchange centers will be located in East Harlem and Washington Heights. And New York is now the first U.S. city to start operating overdose prevention centers with trained staff that will provide clean needles, reverse overdoses with naloxone, and help people find addiction treatment services. And as far as part of the reason why they're doing this, there was a study back in 2018 released by the city's health department that estimated that establishing four supervised consumption centers would save up to 130 lives a year while reducing public drug use and syringe litter. You know, this mindset about being open and transparent and honest about drugs is not a uniquely New York thing. We're seeing things internationally in countries like New Zealand, where they trialed a program at music festivals over the last year, where they're essentially like, okay, we, we don't want you to do drugs, but if you're going to do drugs, let's at least make sure they're safe. So they're now set to become the first country to permanently legalize drug checking services. The law passed its third reading last week, which means it officially goes into effect December 7th. And that means that users can now test the safety of their substances at certain locations without fear of legal problems. And actually one of the biggest changes to the law is that this most recent version is no longer restricted to just music venues. Right, and so this move and a lot of these types of moves, they've been praised by many saying, this is going to prevent deaths. But of course it's not universal. You have others, including in New Zealand, the National Party saying that they think that it encourages the use of drugs, with them even opposing the law completely, all 33 members voting against it. But ultimately, for now, we're gonna have to wait to see what actually happens from here. Will things stay the same? Will things get worse? Will the increased knowledge about them and safety curb their use? But what we do know is that according to some very early reports, the law might be successful here. For example, many users during this trial found out that their drugs ended up unsurprisingly being cut with other substances, including plenty of extremely dangerous ones. Based on a February report, which looked at the trial of this program, 68% of those surveyed said they changed their behavior after using a testing service. And 87% saying that knowing what was in their drugs gave them a better idea of how to reduce harms associated with its use. But yeah, ultimately time will tell. And with all of this, I'd love to know your thoughts. Then in international news, we should talk about Queen Elizabeth II becoming a little less royal today after getting the boot. Today officially removed as the head of state from the Caribbean 
island of Barbados following its decision to become a republic, with the queen being replaced by President Sandra Mason, a former royal governor of Barbados who was elected to the presidency on October 20th. Also, I say she got the boot, but it wasn't a particularly contentious decision with even Queen Elizabeth II praising the move and offering her support and saying in a letter, on the significant occasion and your assumption of office as the first president of Barbados, I extend my congratulation to you and all Barbadians. Additionally, Charles, Prince of Wales, was in Barbados to partake in a transition ceremony where he acknowledged the island's history with slavery and how it shaped the nation while also hailing the country's next chapter. On top of that, at the same ceremony, singer Rihanna was hailed as a national hero of Barbados by the president. And for those that don't know, Rihanna's actually since 2018 been the ambassador for culture and youth in Barbados. With the Prime Minister of Barbados going on to say to Rihanna, may you continue to shine like a diamond, oh my god, call back, and bring honor to your nation by your works, by your actions. Right, and so all of this, a very big deal, but also at the same time, not a lot is gonna change. Barbados has actually been an independent country since 1966, and like many nations with the president, prime minister, government model, President Mason will mostly be a figurehead leader. Regarding international relations, Barbados will continue to remain in the Commonwealth, which is a powerful coalition of countries that are mostly former British colonies that promote trade and democracy among fellow members. Though, Barbados's move may have a ripple effect in other countries that still have Queen Elizabeth as the head of state, with serious politicians in places like Jamaica now suggesting that the country also remove her and become a republic. And while we're on the subject, this is my plea. I know we have a lot of beautiful bastards in Canada. Kick out the queen and elect me president. I already know I can't be your PM because I've never done blackface. That's fine. But like me, as powerless figurehead, what's the worst that could happen? But ultimately, that is where that story and today's show ends. Of course, with that, whether it be this final story, the first one, anything in between, I'd love to know your thoughts in those comments down below. And then of course, as always, my name's Philip DeFranco. You've just been filled in. I love yo faces and I'll see you tomorrow.